This is Will Swan and you're listening to the Amber and Blue. Amber and Blue. Um, well, while I wait for my co-host to get here, um, where do we start? Where do we start? Where do we start? Um, so, yeah, obviously, let's talk about Saturday. I think we're all expecting a bit of football. We're called off. In, a, in true Mansfield Town fashion, we've um, we decided to slander everyone from ground staff to local gardeners. Uh, I think everyone got hammered on Saturday. So we move on. The game was rescheduled for last night, Tuesday night. Uh, I can honestly say, after being sat there for 90 minutes getting cold and wet, I would have preferred it to have been called off after that. Uh, welcome, Richard. Evening. How are you? Oh, not bad, not bad. Well, this is this is going to be an absolute fun fest tonight, isn't it? <laughs> oh God! Yeah. <clears throat> Where do you want to start? Well, I suppose we better start with last night. To be fair. Right. Okay. So we'll break it down into little segments. So, last night, what did you think of the pitch? Uh. Well, we had this conversation in group chat, I think, this morning, I think. I don't think it was as bad as I've seen it previously. Obviously, it always seems to get bare and churned up down the down like the near side where dugouts and that are, but that, that's been the case for years. But in in from upper high, anyway, I don't know, it might it might have looked worse, uh, like more at your at your level and what have you, but from upper above it looked just like a normal stag's pitch to be fair. Yeah, to be honest, it looked a little bit churned up down that wing, as as it always does at this time of year. But I think considering the two games we had called off, uh, all the frost and all the rain yesterday, I think Mez and the team have done a cracking job to get the pitch looking like a pitch rather than a mud bath, to be fair. Um, it's it's never going to be the best pitch, is it, at this time of year? No, um, say considering all the rain we had, and I think someone pointed out earlier when we I think the Wrexham game in the FA Cup after we had all that uh, heavy rainfall and then we played Wrexham and that did a lot of damage to pitch like on, on the night. So, you know, co- considering the, the rain and the frost and everything that we've had, it, 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 it's been in worse states, put it that way. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, uh, aside from that, let's start. Let's start. Let's get into it then. Um, so, obviously... I think most people who listened to this was probably there last night. Um, we gave uh, we gave Sutton the perfect start, didn't we, Rich? Uh, a, a sloppy pass from Lewis Brunt uh, across the goal net, and former Stag Liango was there to take advantage of it. It's always ex-Stags that score against us as well, I might add. Um, yeah, it, it does seem to be that way, doesn't it? So, so what was what was your thoughts on it? Innocent mistake or? Could he have done something else? Could he have played it down the wing? Or do you understand why he played that ball when he did? Was it was it inexperienced? I think I've only I've only seen it back a couple of times, but I think when the ball comes to him, he sort of turns his body, and I don't know if he's expecting Christy Pym to be further out of his net, but it looked like he wanted to like chest it back to Christy Pym. Then realised either he was too far out or whatever miscommunication, I don't know, or whatever, whether he's misjudged it or whatever, and then he's just gone to 
I think he's just seen Carl go out of the corner of his eye, smashed it across the edge at box, and then, like you say, Leanne goes nipped in, and he basically had a free shot from 12 yards out or whatever it was when he, when he got into the box, and, you know, he's, he's not going to miss from there. But, yeah, it's just, obviously, second game in a row where I think this this last night was obviously more of a... It was easier to pinpoint on Lewis Brunt. I think the one at Crewe, I think for all it was Brunt that gave it away, I think there was two or three of them in that corner had ample opportunity to get rid of it. And it was obviously Lewis Brunt that ended up giving it away. I think that was the Crewe game last time when we conceded in like 90 seconds or something. So it does seem that there's just that little bit of naivety in the back line because there was a few occasions last night. I mean, Cargill made a few mistakes and let them in. There was one where Aidan Flint played it across the box and... Uh, it looked as if their striker was like inches away from just like intercepting that and having another free shot on goal. So, you know, we, it, there, there does seem to be a few mistakes creeping in. So the sooner we get rid of them, the better. Yeah, definitely. And, I, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here with the Lewis Brunt pass. So Lewis Brunt has predominantly played centre-back or uh, defensive centre-midfield. Do you think when he got that ball last night, bearing in mind he's playing in a position that he's never played in before for us, um, do you think he thought in his head he was in his centre-back position and he would just pass it back to his centre-back partner, as you would if you were a centre-back? Do you think he was aware at that point that he was in a different area? Because to me, watching it back, it looks like a pass you'd make to, like, if you're at, if him and Aidan Flint were both centre-back, it looks like a little pass that you'd met between your two centre-backs. Yeah. I I, like I said, I, I personally think he's been caught in... I think he's wanted... When, when the ball's sort of come across, out, like from a high, I think he's wanted to chest it back so that Christy Pimp could come out and pick it up. And he sort of chested it, then realised that that's not going to happen. And my guess is just panicked and played the first pass he's seen and not realised that their striker was hanging about or whatever and he's nipped in and, and took it. But like you say, he's, he is young. From what I'm aware of, it's his sort of first full season playing in the football league, like men, men's football. I know he's played a lot of like academy and stuff like that. So he is going to make mistakes. You're going to get that with young players. You know, experience won't make mistakes. So, you know, kids are going to make mistakes as well. you just got to, you know, you got to accept that when you sign young players on loan from... Under twenty, under twenty three teams, you know, they're going to come in, and one week they might be shit hot, and the next week they might cost you a goal or whatever. That's just that's just the way it is when you sign kids. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. You know, we had it last season with Riley Arbottle, who is a quality defender, but he he made mistakes last season. It it happens, and it's unfortunate. But you know, every footballer during their career makes mistakes. I, for one, don't think Lewis Brunt had his best game last night. And I understand why he was subbed off, but it, because obviously he gave away the goal, but his passes weren't finding anyone. He was turning over the ball. He was getting a bit ram ragged. But then the question, the question is that didn't get asked and should have been asked. It is if they want to like get Nigel to talk about it, then what they should say uh, is Nigel uh, tonight. You played Lewis Brun uh, right back. Uh, what's what's the particular reason for that? And and that way you're getting him to talk about his tactics because for all we know, somebody might have had a knock or, you know, Macca might not be fully fit. But then 
to me, if you can come on after 24 minutes, then surely you can play 90. Yeah. And even like when, when, when the team was announced, obviously I was with you and, you know, there was a few players that we were expecting to start that didn't, but even that particular back four has played together quite a lot this season, but it's been Brunt, um, Barry at right back, Brunt and Flint in the middle and Cargill at left back. So, the, you know, if he wanted to play that back four, he could have played the back four that's played together in them positions a few times this season like that. But for some reason, he's decided to move Barry across the left back, move Cargill in with Flint and then put Brunt in at right back where he's never played for us all season. Obviously, when he's playing centre-back and he's playing holding midfield, when Brunt gets the ball, he can get his head up. He's got an option to pass in front of him to the left or to the right. When he's playing right back, it, predominantly he was trying to find like the pass down the line or, or a pass inside, and like you say, it wasn't it wasn't working for him. So like I say I can understand. Andy was on a yellow card when he got hooked as well, and you know we'll, we'll probably come on to that referee in a bit. But uh, you know th- there was a chance that it, you know if one of their wingers skipped past him and he he went in again that he was going to get a second yellow. So you know I can understand why he was subbed, but I think that situation was preventable from the start. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, you're third in league, you're playing the team that's bottom. I don't know why, but I don't think it's really the time to be experimenting with players in different positions. We all know Nigel has this obsession with players wanting to play in three or four different roles, but just stick with what wins your games. We don't need to see like, oh, you know, we don't need to see Brunt in three different positions. You know what positions he plays? Just play him. You pick your best players in your best positions. And I personally think, and this is just my opinion, Lewis Brunt sat in front of a back four is probably better than having Reed. I don't think Reed's really been on it lately. I think he struggled for whatever reason. But I think Brunt's probably better because Brunt will drive. Whereas, again, again last night, and I'll, I'll throw it out there, obviously, we might as well get onto it now. Your favourite player gets subbed on. And yeah. it was the first time all game that I actually saw Mansfield pick up the ball and drive down the middle with it. And it was Boatang that initiated it. Um, and I just don't get why, why we don't do that. Why we have to make 16 passes and then go back. I get we're trying to play them out to hit them on the break, but it's, it, you know, when you're on the, when you're on the attack and you've got the fans roaring behind you, the last thing you want to start doing is passing it back to your centre-backs and then just oofing it aimlessly up. Like I say, Boatang last night was probably, for me, the one player that wanted to actually drive at them and just, just genuinely have a go. Um and I think that that's quite worrying that we haven't got that drive in midfield at the moment. That there's no one, there's no one willing to pick up a ball and go. You know what? I'm going to have a run at these. Um, what do you yeah, think? I think when, when uh, I think when Reed picks the ball up, he, he tends to look for them sort of long diagonal Hollywood passes, which you know so, sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But he's not one for breaking the lines, which which is fine. But I just think there's too many players in that midfield last night that started um, of the sort of similar mould of a, of a midfield player. I think 
I think Clough mentioned it last night that they've told Maris to try and start sort of breaking into the box because I think he was playing as sort of the number, like the number 10, the furthest one forward. But again, I, I can't understand our best player by a mile is Davis Keeler Dunn in the number 10 role. So for me, that your team should be based around b- building it around him in that position every week. You know, Swan came on again for what was it, 20, 25 minutes, something like that, I don't know. Um, you know, he put it in about, he looked lively, he had that big chance, which, like I said to you, you know, if you've got an experienced striker getting that chance, I, th- I think that goes in and I think it's it's 2-1 and a completely different game. But, you know, he came on, he put his centre-bar and, he, he, you know, we looked a bit more threatening in final third, but he's he's not starting for whatever reason and he persists on Davis Key the Dunn going up front with Aikens and, it just doesn't affect games up there. No, and I think that's the thing. I mean, I'll be honest, I was really impressed with Swan last night and obviously sitting close to the pitch where we are, like a couple of times his, his link-up play with DKD was fantastic and I thought, they're, they're linking up really well, so why are we not like looking at pushing that? I just think, I think Mansfield, and people would disagree with this, but I think, I think Mansfield play better when it's a diamond um, but I don't, for whatever reason why, I don't know why we need to chop and change it. Like you say, Keeler done in that temple, and Aikens gets absolutely slated week in, week out, um, for whatever reason, but I, I just don't think he's got, he hasn't got no support, realistically. Like, he got, he got moaned at again last night because he couldn't get a ball that would boot it at probably twice his running speed. So he was ne- he was never going to catch that ball, but again, people just you know you just want to moan and, and we talk about like last night and having favourites and all that. Uh, what did you think to Nigel's press conference after the game? Well, I, I knew as soon as uh, as soon as Brunt got took off after twenty five minutes, he, I think we all knew he was going to throw him under the bus. Um, I think him and Cargill got name dropped in his interview but I think he said something along the lines of if, if players make mistakes like that they're going to um, you know they're, they're going to be taken off sort of thing so I think he's setting his own precedent there by you know if if that's the rule for one then it's got to be the rule for all of them and I think up until he got that yellow card I think Quinn was having a good game but I think once his head went then well, I think a lot of people, but certainly around me, were expecting a Quinn red card for end of last night because you know his head had his head had completely fallen off with with referee. But so there's an argument there. You know, if you're taking Brunt off because he's at risk of a second yellow, then by your own logic, you've got to take Quinn off because he's at risk of a second yellow. So you know, we know he likes to th- throw people under the bus. I just, you just don't know. Certainly, was the likes of Lewis Brunt whether it's gonna affect him in a good way or a bad way? Is he going to go into his shell or is he going to think, right, I'm going to, going to prove you wrong sort of thing? Yeah, and I think that's the thing with it. It is very much like, I, I'll be 100% honest because we we'll get onto the ref shortly, but genuinely last night, Quinn should have been off. When it when it got blown for a free kick and he booted the ball away, That that's the second yellow. And, and some refs would have gained that as a second yellow as well. And I just think, and I thought at half time when they went off, well, surely 
that's that's Quinn done now. Then at half time, uh, clearly lost his head a little bit. The, the referees told him he's like got an inch, and then he's off. Uh, so that'd be him off half time, but he didn't take him off. He carried on with him. Um, and then like, you've got the likes of George Maris again, who was clearly, clearly injured after that challenge. They looked him up touchline, decided to let him back on, but he, he, he didn't really sprint for the rest of the game. It was more of a like hobbled run. Did you see that, Rich? Yeah. Um, I mean, even just walking to the sideline, I, I, I didn't think they were going to let him come back on, but, like you say, he seemed to run it off, and hopefully, it was something that he could run off, and he's all right for Saturday. Because the last thing we want to be doing now is picking up even more injuries. But um, just going back to the Stephen Quinn, the majority of last season, he sort of played up until the hour mark, and then got took off. And I think we've reached that point where it's maybe got to be flipped and he's he's a sort of player who we're going to be putting on for the last half an hour because you know there's no doubt about it. he's still got the quality he still affects games I think having a natural left footer in that midfield on that side makes a massive difference to the way we play as well but I think you know his age his injuries and I think whether it was the yellow card and he'd lost his head or what but I just think he's sort of reaching that half hour mark now and you can you can see he's sort of gassing a bit so I think that's maybe his, reaching that point where rather than playing an hour and taking him off, maybe bringing his experience on for the last half an hour in games to help us sort of see games out or, you know, affect games in that way rather than the other way around. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, Quinn is so instrumental to us and if he decides to retire at the end of the season, that's some big boots that are, again, left to fill. And I just think that, you know, I know we're on about having a striker and stuff like that, but I don't know. I still think we need probably what a natural, a natural right back, um, and and maybe just looking at it, maybe another midfielder, one that wants to drive forward and and attack. Because I think, like, obviously, you've got Louis Reed that doesn't really do it. Uh, Lewis tried a couple of times last night, but struggled a bit. We we just we didn't. Uh, at times last night, watching Sutton, who are bottom of the league, cut us open was quite worrying because at times we didn't have no midfield. It was like, well, where are they? Um, and I just think that if if we are serious about promotion, then we're probably going to need to bring more people in, especially if Maris has got an injury because I don't think he came off that game unscathed. I think he's probably got a knock or something. I know he left the pitch and he had a ice pack strapped to sort of his his ankle area. So whether it's just swollen, whether it's a knock that'll go down over a few days, or I don't know. But he definitely he definitely had like ice or something packaged around his ankle. Yeah, and this is the thing because of our <clears throat> game postponements, the, it, we are going to have a lot of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and if we're already starting to pick up knocks from that. Like obviously you've got Johnson out for six to eight weeks, was it, or four to six? Oates done for season, um, and then you've got McDonald, who's how long do you say McDonald out for? Two weeks, maybe. I think he was four. To, I think he was four to six. So we're already losing players at the back, and realistically, Nigel said he wants this deal done by Friday, or they're moving on. Do you think it gets done by Friday, realistically? 
Uh, well, we'll find out in 48 hours, I presume. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's dragged on for 24 days so far, so... You know, we've said it before, we, we need a striker. We, you know, we had 17 shots yesterday and only managed to get two of them on target. So, you know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out what area of the pitch we need to improve on you know 67 percent possession we can dominate the ball we can create chances it's just getting them on target and putting it back at net that seems to be that seems to be the issue at the minute so you know we need a we need a striker in obviously it sounds like they're still holding out for um getting lee gregory in but you know time's ticking deadlines on wednesday and as it stands we've got nothing in and we've lost three players to injury so we're in a worse state now than we were at the beginning of January. So we certainly need to start pulling his finger out and getting some bodies in. Yeah, I, th- I think so, mate. I I genuinely think now with the knocks and, and the injuries <clears throat> that, you know, we're going to have to start looking at making this squad bigger with the amount of games. I think, what what was it they said the other day? Was it 20, 20 games in 90 days or something like that? Uh, it was, and then, oh no, it would have been if Sutton wasn't rearranged for last night. So now it's sort of, I think it was like twenty games in probably ninety-five days. It's still working out at like a game every five days or or something like that, five six days. Mm. And I, I think the thing is, with our record with injuries, we're definitely going to pick some more up. Yeah, and with our pitch being, I think it's a heavy pitch on the on the feet as well, you know, with it being how it is. I think I was watching last night and I think when it's wet, it is fairly like heavy. So um, I do wonder if that, that adds to the muscle problems that we're currently getting. And the majority of, I think the majority of the games we've got left are at home. I don't think yeah. we've got that meant, you know, of the games we've got left to play this season, I think the majority are going to be home games as well. Yeah, I think that's it as well. And you know what? I was I was looking at this earlier, and I can't think where I've put my list, but I was comparing like home and away form. <clears throat> and I think there's like literally only one win difference. I think we've, draw, we've drawn more at home, but I think the only difference is that we've won more, maybe one or two more away than we have at home. So, but what do you think the reason our home form is struggling, let's say? I think we struggle at home because the majority of teams come to our place and stick with two banks of four on edge of 18-yard box and we struggle to break them down. Um, I, I think that's, you know, it, it's sort of rinse and repeat the last few games. You can count on one hand how many times how many shots the opposition are having and you know possessions always sort of 55 to 65% our way we're dominating games but teams are just coming and sitting in and we just we struggle to we struggle to break them down whereas when we're going away other teams at home are expected to get the ball down and play so it opens it opens the game up a bit more and that's when we can sort of affect it but when teams are coming and and sitting and just playing for a point like Sutton did last night, I think that's where that's where we struggle just with that final third. They're creating that killer chance. Mm. Yeah, I think um, 
I think so as well. I just think that we need we need something to get us over the line, especially at home and like the the atmosphere at home. Like the, the negativity is like so bad. But then I think I look back and think I can't remember when I last saw our home game where I came away buzzing. Probably the Morecambe game. I think if you've not been to watch Mansfield Town away this season, you probably would be a bit fed up. Um. And it's, it's not just that, you know, I had people around me like Aikens couldn't get to the ball last night, so he was being called like shit and all the rest of it. Uh, Will Swan, people calling him shit because he missed that header. Um, but it's just like, well, you know, not every player is going to play 10 out of 10. You know, we're not watching a Liverpool or a Chelsea. We're watching Mansfield in League 2. And players are in League 2 for a reason, aren't they? Let's be honest. Um so you want the best that League Two has to offer. So players aren't going to, you know, score every game or anything like that. Davis Keeler done started red hot, and he's obviously dropped off. And like you said, I think the change of positions done that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I've I've said it for for ages now. He, he does his best position, especially if we're playing the diamond. His best position is behind the two strikers. So for me, when when he's your best player. The first name on the team sheet is Davis Keeler Dunn in the number 10 role and then you build a team around that. Putting him up front, you know, he is the one player who will get on the ball and run at defences and, you know, play that through ball and un- unlock a striker to get in on goal or whatever. Playing him sort of hanging on the shoulder of the last man like he seemed to be doing quite a bit last night, That that's not his game. That's not how he affects games. That's not where we're going to get the best out of him. So... You know, for me, especially when we've got a striker sat on bench who could is capable of playing up front with Lucas Aikens to let the DKD sit in the number ten. I can't understand why we're trying to shoe on him in up front when it, it just it's it's not affecting games, is it? No, and I think that's the thing. It's like some players will drop form and instantly get put on the bench, and then others will just be allowed to continue through it. And it's like. Like going back to what you said earlier, Nigel Clough said, if players make a mistake, I will take them off, right? He's quoted it, he's said it now, so we can all live with it. If Aidan Flynn headers a ball back to Christy Pym on Saturday and a striker nips in and puts it past Quinn and Wimbledon go 1-0 up, is he is he taking Flint off? No, well, we, we know he's not and we, and we know... We know, we know when he when he said it, he, he's using it as as an excuse because he takes youngins off. We've we've had it before. I think he, I think he did it to Harbour when he was here last year, didn't he? I think he took him off in first half once. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, and I suppose it's easier to do when you know they're not your your player, so you haven't particularly got to keep them too happy. But you know, he, he's not going to do it. But like I said, I can understand. Why he, he took Brunt off early? I just think it was completely avoidable. Yeah, but my but my issue is with it is why say it if you're not going to do it? You, you know, if he, if he's going down that rule of thumb, then last night when DKD had options to pass, he shot from edge at box and it went over. Technically, that's a mistake. So should he take him off? I just think, I think he was. I think he was probably more getting at the fact that if they're going to make mistakes, that sort of cost us. But you know, there's a couple that made mistakes yesterday that were lucky they didn't cost us. Like I say, Cargill 
didn't have his, you know, he's been playing well the last few weeks, but last night made a couple of mistakes that against another team could have possibly cost us a goal, you know, so it wasn't just Lewis Brunt. So whether he means if you cost us a goal, that's that's when you're coming off sort of thing, but, you know, there's he's just making a rod for his own back by saying things like, all he had to do was come out and say, look, he wasn't having a great game, he was on a yellow card, he cost us a goal, so I changed it. And, you know, to be fair, you know, I, I, for me, he got the starting eleven wrong in terms, well, in terms of personal and positions. But he's acted after what were twenty five minutes or something, twenty five minutes, half an hour when he made the change. Yeah, twenty and, twenty six. You know, within five or ten minutes, you know, the the momentum changed and we've equalised. So, you know, fair play to him for making the change in the first half and and you know, getting us getting us back in the game, but. It would be nice occasionally for him to say that he got it wrong, rather than just it being the players' fault all the time. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. It's just, it's just he keeps like doing it, but just, just own it. Like I say, just, just come out and say, I tried him at this position, it didn't work out, and uh, basically that's, that's that. You, you know, we, we've experimented, we've tried it, it didn't work, um, and yeah, that, that's it, mate. But, as it is, we move forward, don't we? But, yeah, almost too important. Yeah, I just don't think the whole calling out of players particularly, I don't think it's going to work. I mean, it's it worked for Elliot Hewitt. It worked kind of for our bottle, but like, I know Cargill made some mistakes to, last night, but I don't think anyone really covered themselves in glory last night, did they? I don't think it were. I remember that Hewitt one, and only got both battles after that game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the Elliot Hewitt one. Yeah, got absolutely hammered. killed him. <laughs> you know, I think he were enjoying playing with his mates. He let him out ball all the time, I think, if I remember rightly. But Yeah, it were against Grimsby, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing with Nigel. Sometimes you've got to... I'd, ju- I'd just rather him be honest and say, like, or somebody just say to him, so, you know, you've put Brunt here, um, what what reasoning behind that? And he might say, well, you know, Macca's Mac Mac still not 100% um, in training this week. We've tried Brunty there, he's performed really well in training. That answers all your questions. But by not, by skirting away from the issue, it, it makes it look worse, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, for Mac to come on in first half makes me think that he could have started if he wanted to, unless they've took a risk in putting him on in first. Because I think the last few games he's only played like 45 minutes, hasn't he? I think he came on at half-time against Morecambe. And I think he came on in crew as well. So he's, he's playing sort of less than 45. But he should be back up to that point now where he can start a game. But like I say, for him to be on bench, he, could, he was certainly fit enough. Yeah, and I think... You know, it was good to see like Boatang on the pitch last night. Obviously, with all the rumours linking in with like Swindon and Wimbledon and all the rest of it, it was like I say, I was I was really impressed that he picked up the ball and decided to drive at people. So I think we missed that last night. Last night we were, I don't know, we were very passive, weren't we? You know, for a team that's not played and could have gone second in league, we just didn't we didn't really go for it, did we? You could never really, apart from that little spell we had where we scored. We never really looked like, oh, the, you know, this is a team that's going to turn these over, go second in table. Um, it reminded me of time. It reminded me of times of a team that just thought we're playing bottom. This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. League. All we've got to do is sort of turn up and we'll 
we're beaten, but obviously they've just had a new manager in. They've just made a couple of signings on loan and what have you. So, you know, they're always going to be sort of having, starting to build a bit of momentum behind them and what have you. But we just, like I say, we had that spell. I think it was once he put Macca on and everything sort of felt a bit more in place, so to speak. We, we sort of had that spell where we got the goal and we started knocking it about a bit better. But then, like I say, a second, and I, you know, you can talk about team selection and personnel. And what have you. The, the weather played a big part as well last night. It was, you know, well pissing it down and blowing a gale. So, you know, it didn't help for set pieces. And I think there was one set piece there. It was Davis Keeler Dunn was trying to take it, and it took him about four attempts to take it because ball would just kept blowing off at corner, uh, corner thing. So, you know, the weather played a part last night, but I think it was just always going to be one of them nights. Was, Weather and the opposition and what have you. So, yeah, it's another point on the board. We're still only three points off the top. You know, certainly not. We're certainly not at the stage where we need to be turning on players and managers and and, and things like that. You know, we're going to have bad games. There's going to you know there's going to be games between now and the end of the season that you know things don't go as well. Player makes mistakes, manager makes mistakes, whatever. But you know, there's there's still nineteen games to go, so it's still a long way to go. Yeah, there is. And you say that we're in the automatics and all the rest of it. However, if results go wrong for us on Saturday and we don't pick up what we need to at Wimbledon, we could find ourselves in in the actual playoffs. We could drop down two places, Crewe and Barrow. So, Notts County and Barrow play each other this weekend. Um, So, if Notts County managed to turn over Barrow, that would do us a favour. And then you've also got... Uh, where's Crew? They Crew have got Salford, so that's probably a little more nailed on for Crew, and they're the team in form at the minute. Having been... well, again, Salford just had a new manager in, and they got a point away at Bradford last night, and you know it's all it's all if buts and maybe's. If my auntie had balls, should be my uncle. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. You know, we we've we've been sat on here for weeks saying. Oh well, we've got two games and on Stockport. If we win both of them, we'll be four points clear. Well, now we've played the same amount of games and we're still three points behind them. So, uh, you know, po- points on the board is the best thing. And I know other teams might have games in hand or, or whatever. But you know, as it stands, we're, we're in we're in the driving seat sort of thing. As long as we keep, you know, picking up points and what have you. I, you know, I think Nigel said at the beginning of the season he sort of averaged two, two points. Two points a game, and I don't think we're too far off that. I think we might be just 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 short of it by about two or three. So we're not a million miles away from where we need to be, but we, we could do with uh, a win on Saturday. Yeah, I I think if we've got a new striker in, and I use the term loosely, if if we've got a striker for Saturday, I think that instantly lifts the fans. Um, we, which is probably always a good thing. I mean, we're not need much lifting, mate, because obviously we, we'd have drunk uh, copious amounts of alcohol. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely need that little bit of a... Oof. And I think, you know, you go watch Mansfield at home and for whatever reason you come out and it's just... No, nobody really seems happy. Nobody seems like buzzing or... Anything like that, and I don't really understand it. Like, say with third in league, there is a lot of <clears throat> a lot of miserable people at Phil Mill. It's not like, you know, I think a lot of people have forgot that when we were non-league and absolutely shit, um, 
you know, people forget that or the bad times under like Aslam when you were losing your best players for pittance and the money weren't going back into the club. It's stuff like that that I think people forget. And under Nigel, we have done uh, really, really well. I think, you know, you've got to remember when he came in, we was it we was in the relegation zone. He came in and steadied the ship that season. Um so I think we've been a little bit spoiled footballing wise um with it, but I just think we just need to we just need to relax a little bit, especially at home, you know, it's like last night, the full time whistle goes again. I don't know if you heard it from where you are, but there were people booing again. No, I didn't hear uh well I didn't I didn't hear it last night, but whether that was aimed at players or officials, I, I don't know. But uh yeah, if if it's aimed at players they need to get their head a bit of a wobble, don't they? Yeah. So so let's you know, I've deliberately left it until now. So let's let's move on to the uh to the officials. Uh what what are your thoughts on the official? Uh well, I'm going to hazard a guess and say he got his referee uh, qualifications like a Christmas cracker at Christmas because he didn't have a fucking clue half at night. I mean, e- even in first half, I think someone got brought down on edge at box. Uh, we got the free kick for it, but then five minutes later, Brunt does exactly the same challenge but gets booked for it. And it's just little things that just seem to let let go like that that just... You know, it seems to be one rule for them. They were getting away with stuff, but we were being, we were being sort of punished for it. Yeah, I I think that as well. But <clears throat> I do think he he missed stuff for for me for like both teams with basically the uh, the obvious Stephen Quinn. Um, I, I'll be honest. I think as much as I love Quinny, you know, he should have been off. Um, but. Yeah, it's just, it was just, he just didn't seem to know what to do at times last night. And and the uh, the fourth official, honestly, the fourth official might as well not be there because they are fucking useless. Like, you could ask anyone, anyone to hold up a board and check somebody's studs. Because at times last night, it was like, every time they got a throw in, they might as well have had a corner because they ran that far down the pitch for that ball. They might as well have had a fucking corner. Well, I mean, as far as I'm aware, one of the fourth official's main jobs is to time keep time wasting and that on it first half. How the fuck he only counted to four minutes in the first half, I have absolutely no idea. Because it took the goalkeeper about three minutes every goal kick. You know, as soon as soon as they got that early goal and went one up, we knew what was going to happen. You know, any team that comes to us this season, if they get a goal up, that's what they sort of do. And and to give them it so early on, and the time wasting, and like you say for for throw-ins, like chucking balls away and going and fetching another one, things like that. that it was deliberate time-wasting and the referee would just keep pointing to his watch as if to say, we're adding it on, we're adding it on. And for four minutes to be added up, uh, put on at the end of the first half, it, it could have easily have been double that, just for the first half. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think that's the thing. So, obviously... I mean, the counter-argument to that is they could have put another three hours on and we still probably wouldn't have scored a second goal, but that's not the point. Yeah. and But, like, look, looking at it realistically... I, I only caught it briefly, so I'm not, and I don't know if it's on the highlights or not, but I thought Sutton should have had a penalty because when they were running in for a header on a corner, Flint stuck his leg out and their player went over it. But obviously I don't sit in the quarry lane end, so I don't 
I don't see everything that end, but like genuinely, they played on. But I was like, me and the bloke who sits next to me were like, I think that could have been a penalty, and that ripped first off when we were under pressure. So, but he, he just he was so pinicky with stuff, and then other stuff he just let go, like time wasting. He weren't bothered about like I thought this new rule was in this season where if you leave the pitch, you have to leave by the nearest exit. So if you're down at box, you leave from like to the side of the goal or behind the goal, you don't walk all the way back to the bench. I'm pretty sure that that was the rule brought in this season. But like last night, certain players were getting injured in their own box and then they might as well do a fucking lap of honour before they get off. That's that's the thing. And, and you'll get a referee next week who, you know, for, for all they all operate by under the same rules and the same guidelines and what have you, some are actually sticking to it and some are. I think uh, Nigel reiterated something about that in his um, in his interview after the game last night, and he said, "If you're not going to sort of imply the rules, then let us know before the game so we can get away with it as well." Like, you know, if you're not going to follow the rules that that are supposed to be enforced, and like I say, we'll get a referee next week who the one who had last night let stuff go, and we'll get punished for it or whatever on on Saturday. So you know, the rules are there to be stuck to. Yeah. If all the referees were consistent with it, then there wouldn't be half a problem. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think that's the thing, right? So, obviously, I've drunk a lot of Jaeger since this, but remember our game in the FA Cup against Wrexham that we lost? And remember the pitch being bogged down with water and the ball hardly rolling, but the referee decided to play the game on because it was on TV? And the, I, I vaguely remember there being a few iffy refereeing decisions in that. Um, he was the same referee. So last night's referee was the referee who we had when we lost to Wrexham in the FA Cup on that sod, sodded pitch. So I think both games we've had him, he's been absolutely poor. But but not just that, the assistants, let it, again, we throw in, letting them just literally run down the touchline wherever they want. It, you know, there comes a point where linesmen, fourth officials, you've got to speak to the referee and say, Look what they're doing. They don't communicate. They are that obsessed with getting an offside right that they literally spend all the game watching offside rather than all the shit that happens around them. And that and that's no, what it, lets it There's fouls that are happening both ways, right in front of the face, and that they're not actually like I say, all the flagging for is throw-ins and and offsides. They don't seem to help the referee with any with any decisions. No. And it, it's like last night. The amount, the amount of times Lucas Aikens had his shirt pulled in that first half. I mean, you're supposed to swap shirts at half time or after a game or something, but he was determined to get it in the first half, I reckon. So, But the, the referee just gives nothing. And then he, two minutes later, he'll give the softest foul ever. And it's just. that That's what. But to be fair, I think having a bad referee last night helped the atmosphere a bit. I think what once you get a referee like that and he starts giving decisions against you and things like that, I think it's like sort of gets the crowd going. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It kind of perked us up. But it's like, I, I do feel sorry for Aikens because, like, th there's probably a reason we've got no home shirts or away shirts in, in club shopping certain sizes because Aikens probably gets through, what, two every game? Because they must rip. Because, like, again, yesterday, it's like they, they're at his shirt, they're pulling him down. And I just think referees look at Lucas and go, yeah, let's say six foot one. You're six foot one and someone who's five foot four is dragging you down. It's unbelievable. 
And I think that's yeah, what... I said that to uh, Norman yesterday when was at game. I said his, his size goes against him. So it's like when Flint goes down, it balks. You, you don't get anything because they'll say, oh, well, look at size, he shouldn't be going down. Well, it's either a foul or it's not. It doesn't matter whether he's six foot four or four foot five. You know what I mean? It's, it's either a foul or it's not. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's like last night. So, like, last night, Keeler Dawn, first off, breaks away. Last defender literally grabs him round the neck of his shirt and rags him to the floor. We get a free kick, he gets booked. Actually, his last man, law at game is, you're off. You can't be doing tackles like that. But, again, it's it's poor refereeing. One week, you'll have someone who will book him. The next week, you'll have a referee that sends him off. You know, I remember last season, James Perch being sent off for a similar tackle that he made in the same area. But yeah, again, it's just um, it's just the same old, same old. Now, I hate to come on here and start moaning about referees because, you know, we do get some good ones that let the game flow. But l- last night, it was just, it was shit for both teams. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like, I know we can fill in paperwork, send off a complaint and whatever. But I remember, I remember at like the meeting, Nigel, or was it Garner that said, yeah, we can do it, but we don't tend to do it because we have to fill a lot of paperwork out. Can you remember that? Well, I think, yeah, I think you said as well they were just wasting the time because you know nothing ever, nothing ever changes. It's like when they make a mistake, it's they'll get a letter through apologising, and then that's sort of the end of it. But yeah, I mean, like I say that 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 that's a whole different. You know, you could go on for hours about the state of it because it's not just us and it's not just last night. You know, some of the uh, Charlton last night had a man sent off. Have you seen that one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's never a red card for Charlton in a month of Sundays, but you know, so you know, it's not it's not just us and it's not just League Two. It's it's across the it's across the it's across the league, but they just don't you know they, they seem to be going backwards. There doesn't seem to be ever any improvement. Yeah. And I think this is the thing, and it's not just our level, it's grassroots as well. Like, Edward played on Sunday, the team had a shot, it, the inside of the post and came out. Their manager shouted at the referee and he gave them a goal. And it was like, but you can't go up to the referee and question them. So, all they're banging on about grassroots, about protecting referees, about not having a go. And, I, you know, I, I, being a referee is a hard, hard job. But then, who tells them when they've got it wrong? That's that's my issue. It seems to be all about protecting referees and making sure all the rest of it. But actually, at what point do people turn around and go, you've proper fucked up there? It only seems to be the Premier League where everyone's eyes is on it. To get a decision wrong there, they get punished. You get it wrong at League Two or League One, they, they don't really give a shit. You're back next week. And it's like, how, how do you get better as a referee if nobody's willing to tell you that you've made a mistake? I, I don't know if it was that like, fans forum we did when uh, Perch and was it Perch Hawkins and Clough I think or, or something like that and they were asked about players like ex players turning into referees because I do think I mean it's the same with the VAR in the Premier League I do think ex players as referees would be because a lot of referees that come through probably haven't actually played the game and they are following it to the law and I think ex players would be a better option. Yeah, know, would improve the game as referees because they would know, you know, what the buy, what fouls are trying to buy, what try, you know, what what to let go, what not to let go, and but there just doesn't seem to be. 
you never hear of a a player retiring and saying, you know, I'll, I'll be a referee. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. It, you know, the other thing with ex-players being referee, you've got that. You, you know what it means on the decisions because you've been you've been on the other end of one. It's not like you know you you, you can turn up and <clears throat> and like you know we used last night. You know, if you get a decision wrong, yeah, okay, it don't mean out to you, and you get to sit in your car, drive home, and think. Oh well, I've been paid for that. Yeah, I might, I might as well. I might have got it wrong, but you know what? Next week I'm doing Bradford and Swindon or something like that. You know, there's no repercussion for them. But that team come end of season, that might be, you know, two points that they've lost because of a refereeing decision that's gone wrong, and it's it's cost them money or it's cost them promotion or or you know, worse still, it's prevented them from staying in the league where they lose a lot of money. But like you say, there's no. I, I think, honestly, the best way to get around it is to mic them all up so you, so you know what they're saying to each other. Even the linesman, like last night, the fourth official stood in front of that Sutton player taking a throw and he still made eight steps and took a throw. And the fourth official just shook his head and went and walked down. I thought, well, what is what is the actual point of that? So, I don't know. There's obviously something... Badly wrong with officiating, but I mean, we could talk about it all night and I could sit here and blame referee for everything. But the fact of the matter is we, we didn't play well last night. Nobody really covered themselves in glory. I don't, I'm, I felt sorry for, I felt sorry for um, the match sponsor because it must have been hard picking a man of the match last night. I know you picked Quinn, but I don't know for me, I don't think Quinn had a man of the match. I know you have to pick one, but... I don't know, you know. Yeah. They could have just chucked all names into an at last night, really, couldn't they? Uh, I'm surprised they didn't give it Maris because it's normally, in a game like that, it normally goes to whoever scored, doesn't it? But Yeah. yeah. Which we'll talk, that was, you know, a good finish by, uh, I think it was McLaughlin that put the ball in, was it? Or was it Quinn? Yeah, no, I think it was Matt, yeah. wasn't it? I think yeah, it was... put the ball in, a nice, nice little finish by, uh, by Maris. Yeah. And do you know what? The thing is, right, and... And people can go back and look at the highlights because I know somebody listening probably in here absolutely hates Aikens, but it's Aikens' hold-up play in the area that makes that goal. He's the one that passes it back out for the cross to come in. But obviously people people don't see that. They see Mansfield score and go, Maris, you know, Aikens has done note again. But it's his hold-up play in the box that makes that move possible. Yeah, Aikens isn't your sort of standard 20-goal-a-season striker. He's just... You know, he's the one that's going to link it up and hold it up and win your fouls further up the field. You know, there's no end of times when we're under pressure that, you know, they put a ball up long and, you know, if he gets dragged down or whatever, he's winning those fouls and, and moving us up the pitch. But that that's where, he, that's where he will benefit from having a striker play alongside him rather than a number 10 who's being shoehorned into playing up front. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's the thing. I mean... You know he's he's on he's on seven goals this season already, um, so you know he's not he's he's thirty four years old. He's not going to be your out and out striker. He's he's there to hold it up and lay it off. And this is where, like I know people want Lee Gregory and people say proven goal scorer and all the rest of it. He is a proven goal scorer. However, is he going to link up with Aikens? Well, ideally, I would I would like a Reese Oates replacement, if you will, to play off him because, and I think that's Will Swan. I, I, I genuinely think if you put Aikens, Swan up top together, DKD behind them, that's probably, 
for me, that's your top tier. Um, because you've got Aikens who can hold it off. You've got Swanee who can make those runs. And then you've got DKD that can just get the ball and start creating and having the shots and spraying it. I think that's probably um I think that's probably the our best option. So on on Saturday, given the fact that I would say it's probably highly unlikely after he's been hauled off after twenty four minutes that Lewis Brunt starts on Saturday and with Maris picking up a knock, there's obviously gonna be a couple of changes. But I suppose the first the first question is would you start Swan? And the second question is do you think you will? I would start Swan every week because I'm massively biased. Um, I'd, I would start him every week. Uh, I think he needs confidence. Um, and I think that you've got to give him a proper run in the team. And I think the thing is, you know, you don't get... I mean, I think he got 10 goals last season. You know, you don't get 10 goals in the league and then suddenly just dry up. It, he got injured at the start of the season. He had no proper pre-season. And then, obviously, Nigel's gone, well, that's it then. You, you know, you're not, you're kind of not playing and that's it. But I, I would start him. I, w- I would go back to the beloved Diamond. Um, I don't think Maris will play. Uh, I think he's probably going to knock. I don't think Brunt will play. Um, but it's a case of, you know, what do you do for the midfield? Because for me, Ollie Clark would start every week. Um, I don't know. What about you? I think it, I think it'll be the the back line that he sort of changed to, eventually. Yeah, last night I think that'll be the back line that starts. Um. So then you've sort that sort of Maka coming in for for Brun, and if Maris doesn't make it, then I would probably put Swan in up front as well and drop, like I say, DKD back to ten. But I think he'll bring someone in like. Uh, Ollie Clark and put the extra midfielder in and then leave uh, DKD playing up front with Aikens but you know I would like to see him put put him back to put him back in that number 10 role yeah I, I would I think Swan needs a really good really good run of games and an opportunity to show people what he's capable of because at the end of the day there's a striker in there and we all know it Um but the thing is, the problem is, it's like last night. He missed that header and fans were already like, oh, he's crap, he's this, he's that. It's like you've got to give him, you've got to give him the opportunity. You can't just judge him because he's missed one shot. And I think, I think the fact that we're looking to bring in another striker, you know, I think Swan's going to have to get used to the fact that for the rest of this season, he's going to be a sort of impact sub off a bench. So he's going to have to find his feet that way because you know we're not the striker that we're after is obviously you know going to come in and, and start games so Swan's going to have to get used to being that um, sort of in, impact player off at bench I did hear I did overhear a conversation last night uh, and I, I'm certain they're on about Swan that apparently it's been reported that he's got some sort of attitude problem, which is why he isn't starting as much. But um, whether that's true or not, we don't know. We'll never know. Um, but it does seem strange that, you know, someone that had such a good season last season, you know, had the run of form that he did, scores the goals that he did, doesn't seem to be getting many minutes 
all starts, you know, it, it certainly makes you wonder what some, something's gone off somewhere along the line. Yeah, definitely. It seems seems interesting. I mean, every time we've met him, he's been like a really nice lad. Every time he's met Edward, he's been really sound. There's no hint of attitude there. And I don't know why, like when we met him at the end of season awards and we were sat down talking to him, he was like one of the nicest guys there. He made time for like literally everyone. I just, I just can't imagine Swanee to have an attitude problem. Yeah, I might be wrong and I don't see him on day to day, but I, I can't see it, you know. I can't imagine. It could, it could just like. be that he's quite, you know, he's maybe he's gone in and questioned Nigel why he's not starting games, and maybe Nigel doesn't like being questioned on things like that. You know, maybe, maybe that's where it's where it's come from, or we don't know. But yeah. like I said, that's just that's just a conversation that I have, and I'm I'm sure they were on about Will Swan. Um, could be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's who they were on about. Yeah, and uh, and I think to be fair. Maybe it's the Danny Johnson saga again. Maybe Nigel's asked him to play in like midfield or something. Or, and he's gone, well, actually, Gaffer, I want to be a striker. I got 10 goals last season. Maybe that's... Maybe you've got the Danny Johnson effect again. Well, I can't imagine Radford's being too happy with that when they've just forked out money for him in summer and he's already... You know, that, that's what makes me wonder, you know, query what's, what's gone off. Because it's not very often at League Two you go out and sort of pay good money for a a striker from a, a Premier League academy or whatever, but we've done it and he's not getting a start, you know what I mean? So it, it does make you think that something's gone off somewhere along the line. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm, do you know what? And I'm sure it'll come out because um, things like this always tend to, don't it? It always gets a bit messy. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I heard that somebody wanted Scott Flinders on loan uh, and, until the end of the season, which... You know, might be true, might not be. Apparently, a non-league team was showing interest in him. So, and I know he's coming to the end of his contract this season. So, as much as you don't want players out the door, I think it'd be a good move for Scott. And being completely biased again, it'd be a cracking move for Owen Mason, who would then become our number two. I think he really deserves this opportunity to shine. So, we've obviously not sent him out on loan, so we're keeping him around the club. So. I'm hoping he's going to naturally progress into that uh, number number two slot. But yeah, so uh, we best start wrapping up, mate. God, that's been a quick hour, to be fair. Um, it, who's you want to watch this week? No, uh, da, 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 da. If he starts number 10, DKD, I reckon, because... He's the, he's the one that makes a difference for us. So if he doesn't, then we're relying on someone, you know, like Lucas Aikens to drag us through. Yeah. Um. So one last thing uh, before I move on, and I'll ask you again now that we're at the end: Is there a striker coming in on Friday or not? No. No, I don't think so either. Do you think we've got a backup plan? <laughs> I fucking hope so. <laughs> Jesus. Um I don't, well he reckons they've got irons in fire and the you know, they're talking to clubs, but it's just how far down the list they've had to go. Yeah. You know, if if they've gone all out for Gregory, you don't know say for example, number two target was that Cole Stockton while he's gone because he's gone to Barra. So you don't know, you know, how far if we don't get Gregory who was the number one target, how far down that list have we now got to go? And you know, 
it, it, you've got to be bringing in someone better than Will Swan, effectively, because that's who he's going to be starting in front of. And if it's not better than Will Swan, then can we strengthen in other areas that makes us better? Yeah, and and that's the thing. I think um, I've mentioned a couple of players. I mentioned Cole Stockton. He's gone. I mentioned, I think it were, I think it might have been Stevens from Forest Green. He's gone somewhere. So I'm going to mention the last one who I think could do a job for us. Not a, a prolific goal scorer, but I'm going to go Elliot List at uh, Stevenage. Stevenage and I got five strikers on book with the Dane Oliver coming in on loan. So unless Jamie Reid is going for big money somewhere, then I wouldn't mind signing Elliot List. He had a bad injury last season, which kind of fits our MO. Um, but he's pacey, he will run at people, and he's a bit, I would say he's very much like Reese Oates. Um, and I just think. How's he played play for Burton? No. Well, no, I think no. he might have drove past Burton once, though. So <laughs> I'll, I'll take count. that. So, yeah. Um, score prediction for Saturday? Uh, well, last time we had a terrible one all draw at home against Doncaster Rovers. I said to you after the game, I've never been more confident of us winning the next game, which was away at Stockport. So, and we did. So I will go. I'll replicate that and go 2-0 to Mansfield. I'm going 3-0 to Mansfield. Uh, and I think... So I've got... I don't know if I've said this on it. I've got a bet with Edward. Um, and our ongoing joke is, Aidan Flint never scores with his head. Right? This is our ongoing joke. So basically, Edward said, well, if he scores with a header, you've got to have him on the back of your shirt. And I was like, right, okay. So, and he came close last night, literally. He came right close as well last night. Not always his foot though, wasn't it? No, it come off his head. I think it come off his head and hit the Sutton player and bounced away. Oh. Um, but yeah, so it's an ongoing bet. So I think he probably scores with his head on Saturday. Um, and I'll never hear the end of it from Edward. So I'm going 3-0 Mansfield and... Edward's not here tonight because he's at Scott Loach's goalkeeping camp. Um, so he's like live, living his best life, training to be the next Owen Mason slash Christy Pym. Um, so I need to fill his boots, don't I, and pick because he's good. Good luck. <clears throat> yeah, do you know what? Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm going to go with this week's because he's good. I'm going to go Will Swan because I think he played really well last night. He linked up well. He was dangerous. Yeah, okay, he missed the header. But I just think he gave us a bit of width. He brought DKD into the game more. Um, and it, he, he looked up for it. He looked like he wanted it. He didn't look like a player that had been sat on the bench talking for a few weeks. So I'm going to go, because he's good, Will Swan. Um, I might get Edwards for you when he gets home. Depends what mood he's in, whether he's overtired or not. But Yes, yeah, so um, for those of you that's going to Wimbledon, I will see you Saturday. I very much doubt I will be able to remember seeing any of you Saturday. And next Wednesday could be a really short amber and blue because it might be like the Morecambe game where me and Rich go, can you remember this? And it'll be no and no. So I might need someone to come on and talk me through it. TJ, I'm looking at you, mate. Your big moment could be uh, <laughs> your, your big moment, TJ, could be next Wednesday, mate, because uh, you, you might be telling us about the game on Saturday. So, thanks everyone for listening. I'm going to uh, go and try and 
get this on some Spotify and some podcasts because last week it wouldn't download and it was proper stressing me out. So we'll see if it works this week. So thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week. Take care. See you later, Rich. See you later. This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today.